You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. So today we're starting a a journey together um, as a church, and I believe it's going to be one of the greatest voyages that we have been on uh, the entire year. The path of this journey is going to lead us to read through the New Testament in 40 days. And I want you to know that, that when you read the Word of God, which is what the New Testament is, and you implement it into your life, uh, it, it's what changes people. We hear messages, you know, maybe once a week, maybe some of you hear more messages uh, throughout the week, but messages are good, but it's the Word of God that changes our lives. It's actually internalizing the Word of God, allowing it to become real, that, uh, that does the, the, the God work in us, the good work in us that changes uh, our lives. In fact, the psalmist, he put it like this. He said, how can a young man keep his, uh, his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. Uh, psalmist went on to say in, in uh, 119 verse 105, he said, your word is a lamp to my feet and it's a light to my path. You know, we live in a world where the reliability of every message is questioned. People are screaming, they're shouting, fake news, fake news. And if you leave with nothing else this morning, I want you to leave with this. God's word is not fake news. It's good news. It's not fake news, it's good news. And, and, and here, here's what we, we know from, from, from our, our lives and society is that nobody trusts anybody. And for good reason. People contradict each other. They, their, 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 their lives are sometimes lived out in hypocrisy. Philosophies lead people to dead-end roads. And we find a lot of deceit in the messages and the messengers. So King David wrote this in Psalm 33. He said, the word of the Lord is right and true because he is faithful in all that he does. And and the countless of people, and, and some of you are in here and you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ and there's some of you in here that you have not placed your faith in Jesus, but you're, you're seeking the possibility of something else. There's people that will be listening to this message via podcast, and, and I'm speaking to, to you. If you've put your faith in Jesus, you're, 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 you're one who, who understands this truth, and you may be listening on the podcast. You just find it, and you're searching for truth. And, and here's what, what I have found, that, uh, that there is a conviction that comes when you receive Jesus, there's a conviction that is given to us to, to live our lives out for God's glory through the reading of God's word. One of my, one of my heroes of this day, his name is Ravi, Ravi Zacharias. And Ravi Zacharias has gone more places, he's talked to more dignitaries than probably any person in this last century. 
He's gone to palaces. He's gone beyond. He, he, he spoke at, 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 at he, you know, as a Christian. He was invited to speak at the, at, the, at the Mormon tabernacle. He was invited to speak at, at this huge place as a Christian and spoke the truth of God. He's gone into the Middle East. He's gone places where, where no one's gone. But, but this is what, what Ravi says. He says, I came to know Christ when I was in India as a Hindu. Okay? I was in India on a bed of suicide at the age of 17 where this little Gideon's New Testament with Psalms and Proverbs was brought to me. It became my first Bible. It was through the scriptures that were read to me in the hospital that I trusted in Jesus Christ. Now, here, here's a beautiful thing about Living Word Chapel is that we support the Gideon's ministry. And, and the Gideon's ministry, because the, the Word of God has changed so many lives and so many people. Ravi Zacharias is a perfect example. Now, N.T. Wright, another one of my heroes, a great Bible scholar, a great thinker uh, in, in this day. He said this, the Bible is the book of my life. It's a book I live with, the book I live by, the book I want to die by. Because I trust the word. One of the greatest inf- actors and, and influencers of our generation, his name's Danzel Washington. He said this in an interview when he was interviewed by GQ. And I don't know if you've heard any of Danzel Washington's latest uh, clips, speaking at graduations and things like that. But Danzel Washington said this, I read from the Bible every day, and I read my daily word. Let me say this to you guys. God's word never changes. The presentation of his word may change, it may vary. The interpretation of his word may vary, but his word is the same forever. His word is always right, and it's always true. And so I will tell you this with honest conviction. And always remember this from my words and from my mouth. If anyone else preaches something contrary to the word of God, if myself or anyone preaches something contrary to the word of God, you believe the word over that person. We need to be people of the word. See, you can't discern error from truth if you don't know the word. You can't know the word if you're not in the word. And that's why it's so vital for us to, to, to open up the word. The, the conviction that the Lord placed on us as a leadership is that we needed to spend time to actually go through the New Testament together. So this series that we're going to is going to lead us to get in the word and to dig deeper into the Bible. And here's how it's going to go down. Okay, 150 New Testaments have already been distributed which the church purchased. And if you got one of these New Testaments, if you got it, you want to raise it up? You know, you have one? Say, I didn't bring it. But we have it, right? They've been purchased for all the small groups. Our small group, we have more small group turnout than we have had in any of our campaigns already. And so what we're finding is that people want to know the word. They want to read the word. Uh, yeah. In the New Testament uh, a book that we gave you, there's a bookmark which will give you daily reading, and it amounts for about 12 pages per day. So every day we're going to read 12 pages together. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to invite others in your family to read 12 pages together with you. 
I want you to invite your friends at work to invite 12 pages of the Bible with you together. And so it, it, also, if you got one of these uh, um, um, bookmarks, we have the new uh, cleaned up bookmarks also in, uh, in, in the info center, and I want you to pick one up. We also have, for those of you that don't have a book, okay, we also have some white bookmarks that are in your bulletins. Pull out your, bullet, pull out your white bookmark, if you will, okay, and wave it in the air like if you really do care. All right, those white bookmarks will let you, allow you to, or you can, you know, not allow you, it, it will help you to read your scripture, your Bible, with, uh, with, with, with uh, Bible verses and, and things, and it'll go through the reading. So that'll help you if you don't have a book. Now, um, the bookmark has five simple questions on it for our everyday reading, and I want us to kind of grab a hold of these. I, I want for us every, every week to think about this, okay? And every day that you read, I want you to ask this question. What's something you notice for the first time? The Bible is a living word, right? So every day it speaks to us. What's something you notice for the first time? Number two, what, question, what questions do you have? In other words, what does this mean? So put that down on the side or put it in your journal. Was there anything that bothered you in your reading? What did you learn about loving God? And what did you learn about loving others? And you can journal your answers. You can write them in, in your book. Uh, it's okay to write in your books. It's funny, in our small group this past week, uh, we, had a, we had a poll of who wrote in their Bibles and who didn't, and there were, or wrote in their books or their Bible, and there were two of them that said, I never write. I, I just can't. I can't write in a book. So they journal. And then there's some of us that, I mean, you, your books and your Bible are just filled with all kinds of writing. You point here, you point there. And, so it's okay, whichever way you want to do it. And, and, and so as we, as we go into these, uh, the, the, the first part, we're going to be looking at, uh, at the, the, the Gospel of Luke, and we're going to be also reading the book of Acts. And let me tell you something as we go into this sermon, okay, that the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts were written by this, uh, this doctor. He was a physician. His name was Luke. And they were actually distributed as one book. When they went out in, in, uh, in the early century, first century, uh, they were distributed as one book. So they would read the gospel that Luke wrote, the narrative of Jesus' life. And then they would also uh, be, be uh, uh, complemented with this book that it later on was, was titled The Acts of the Apostles. Uh, some people say The Acts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, but it didn't have that name. Luke just gave it out, uh, sent it out to churches so they, they could grab a hold of what it is. Now, there's a lot of things that are important to us. Because we live in modern society and everything has been kind of uh, cut, uh, uh, cookie cut for us. So we read our Bibles with uh, uh, verses. We read our Bibles with chapter breaks. It, there's something that you need to know that the Bible was not written originally with any chapters breaks or any, any, uh, any verses that was added on uh, to help. The problem that can occur when you read your Bible by verses and chapters, especially verses, is that you can pick out verses that you like that, that, and you can take them out of context. You ever heard that? You ever had a conversation that you take something out of context and someone says, well, you said this, 
And you said, yeah, but I said a lot of other things with it. And if you listen to the whole conversation, you'll understand that it makes a lot more sense if you just uh, hear what I was trying to, 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 to say. So we're going to be going through, through this first part. And as we start to read, I, I want to bring three things, three things, so this is so vital, uh, that give us great assurance of the New, Testament, New Testament's reliability. What you read or what you listen to should be reliable. You should trust it. If it's the word of God, we have to know that we can trust it, and we can. And so I, wanna, I want us to talk to, to, uh, today about how reliable is the New Testament. We're going to be looking from the perspective of Luke's narrative, uh, the gospel. We're going to be looking from uh, the book of Acts. And I'm going to be dealing with the introductions. Because Luke introduced both of them to a certain individual whose name was Theophilus. And we'll, we'll, we'll kind of break that name up in a little bit. It's important to us. How many of you believe that everything that is written in the Bible is important? I mean, if God wrote it, if God had people write it, it must be important. So every aspect is going to be important to us. And we're, as we read through the narrative, we're going to find that out. So here's, here's the first uh, part of the reliability of Scripture. It's historically reliable. It's historically reliable. Did you know that Luke... Of all the Bible writers, number one, he's the only Gentile writer in the whole Bible. What's a Gentile? A Gentile was a non-Jew. Okay? So the, the, the Bible was, was written to, to, to and through Jews, the chosen nation of God, the chosen people of God. And, and so uh, uh, Luke is the only Gentile, and there's a lot of important things that come with, with that that I probably won't be able to get into this, this week, but as we go through this, we're going to understand. So he was not only a Gentile, but he was also a physician. He was a doctor. He was trained in a Greek medical uh, 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 regiment. Very, very intellectual. Probably the only other one that was as intellectual as, as Luke was Paul. And so we find out that he was very intellectual. So a lot of his writings are going to be very, very smart. In fact, a lot of his narrative comes with a medical terminology. You find that out as you're reading the Bible. And as you, we read through it, you're going to be like, wow, this is, this is so true right here. PJ was right. And I'm going to say, no, I wasn't right. God's right, right? So he starts out in, in Luke 1. We're going to start there. Luke 1 Verses 1 through 4, and if you have your, uh, um, your New Testament book that we passed out, it's going to be on page 5, 4, 3, 3, 3. It says, many, many have undertaken, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. So he said, many people have already, have already taken into account, uh, and, and, and they have, they have uh, really drawn up these, they've written these things down that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who were first eyewitnesses. Okay, let's stop right there. Who were the first eyewitnesses of the things that happened with Christ? The apostles. 
the ones that were with him, his early disciples, the ones that were with him from, from, from the day that he started his ministry to the day that he completed it on the cross of Calvary. How many of you know that the cross of Calvary is important to us? How many of you know that when he started his ministry, his whole purpose of him healing the sick, of him teaching like no other person taught, of him rebuking the de devils out of people, all these things, restoring the, the, the dead and, and giving them life, all of that was just a, a precursor to what his whole purpose was. The whole purpose was that he would go and die for us on the cross. Okay? And they were also servants of the word. With this in mind... Since I myself have carefully investigated. Now, here's what I'd like for you to do in your, in your outline or wherever you have this narrative. I want you to underline some things. First of all, underline in, in, in verse 1 where it says, fulfilled among us. Underline that, if you will. Fulfilled among us. And then in verse 2, underline where it says, eyewitnesses. And then number 3, uh, verse 3, I want you to understand, uh, underline this. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated, I want you to underline that, I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning. In other words, this is not something happenstance, this is not something careless. Luke said, I carefully investigated everything from the what? From the beginning. He said, I too decided to write. Underline that. I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. Say that with me. Theophilus. Don't you just want to name your son Theophilus? It's a beautiful name. Theos comes from the word God. In Spanish, how do we say God? Dios. That comes from Theos, the Greek word Theos. And so ology, I mean, uh, uh, um, uh, phylos, phileo, means love, right? A lover of God or loved by God. That's a beautiful name, Theophilus. So that you may know, so that you may know the certainty, the reliability, the, 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 the fact of the matter, the truth. Okay, you can underline that. So that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. And the reason that this is so important to us is because in the opening statement, what you find, I had you understand, uh, underline them and, and, and so that you can grab a hold of this, what you find is that Luke lays out five successive stages of how the historical Jesus is worthy for you to serve. Here they are. Number one is fulfilled you see, these things that were done are not random, they're not happenstance, but they're a fulfillment of prophecy that was given to people in the Old Testament and which are accomplished in the life of Christ. Over a hundred prophecies in the Old Testament were fulfilled through Jesus Christ. History says that our faith is one of fulfillment. History says that because Christ fulfilled everything that was spoken about him, he can fulfill all the things in your life that are empty and void and need fixing. 
The second very important thing about history is eyewitnesses. I saw it. You're going you're gonna to read in Scripture uh, that who was in the beginning. We, we, we held him. We, we beheld him. We laid our hands on, our, our eyes on him. So eyewitnesses, the second very important thing about history. You can see that Luke excludes himself and points to the apostles who were with Jesus from the beginning and to his death and resurrection. And what I'm telling you, that Luke is saying, what I'm telling you comes from eyewitness accounts. The third very important thing about history, right? So that's important, fulfilled. If something's fulfilled, you say, man, that, that was spoken. We see that it, it actually came to pass. Someone say, it came to pass. Came to pass. Eyewitnesses. How important is eyewitness to history? I saw it. I was there. I felt, I felt it. I touched it. I touched him. The third, research. How important is research to our history? I heard a, a uh, I heard a um, uh, on the news. It's been a couple years ago. A uh, Middle Eastern man talk about he was a, a jihad, a very hard person against, um, just very very hard. But he talked about how the the Holocaust was a myth. In his mentality, he had been taught, and he's teaching that the Holocaust. Was a myth. Was was a myth. It didn't happen. They're making this up. The Jews are making this up. They're trying to. They're trying to 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 make us look bad. That's why we hate them so much. But the problem with that is that if you research it, you find out that it's true. You can go to the places where these Jews were held in in captivity, where the the the, the ovens where they were burned. The research speaks for it. Uh, Luke teaches us he did great research. He studied. He said, I myself gave myself to, to investigate carefully everything that was from the beginning. How important is research? Now, the fourth thing is the writings. The writings. How important is history uh, 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 or the writings to our history? Can I tell you that every history uh, book that you read has its writings? It's narrative. Did you know that? When you go to school, you learn about history how? Through the writings. He says, from from the original eyewitnesses to their sharing their stories to writing them in detail, Matthew, Mark, Luke, which are called the synoptic gospels. I want you to grab a hold of that. We're going to talk in this series about, I'm going to talk like I don't usually talk. Big words, synoptic gospels, Ryan, that synoptics, sin meaning the same, optic means seen, seen together, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, seen together. There, there's like you go to a, an accident and there's three eyewitnesses, right? And everyone sees it from a different vantage point. The one from, from one side of the street says, I saw this. The one from the other side of the street says, I saw, they saw the same accident. Oh, I saw this. I saw the car come from this side. The other one says, well, I saw a lady crossing over here. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, when you're reading it, it's three of, the different, uh, three of the different perspectives of the same story of the life of Jesus Christ. And so he says the writings, they're so important. You know, Matthew was written to a Jewish audience. 
You'll see Matthew talk about uh, the, the genealogy. Let's talk about the genealogy. The genealogy of Matthew to Jesus goes back to Abraham. The genealogy of Luke, because he wrote to the, to the Gentile nation, was written to, uh, was, goes back to Adam, to the world. So to, to uh, the, the, the Gentile, Abraham was not as important as the world is. So you begin to understand how these writers were writing these things and how important they were. Now Mark, let's talk about Mark real quick. Mark is the shortest gospel in the whole New Testament. Who did Mark write to? Romans. Romans liked action. The Colosseum, right? Mark got right to the point. He said, Jesus healed. Jesus, he went and got baptized. And then he went and he healed and he cast out demons. And he did this. So the Roman audience would be like, wow, I want to hear more. So all of these things are vital. So, so we see that Dr. Luke was, was very detailed. He, of all of them, he was more detailed. He had the teachings of Christ in more detail than any other writer. The fifth thing of history that's important, certainty. We need to know, we want to know that these things are true. You hear everybody in the news, this is fake news, this is fake news, this is fake news. But we see from the people that have given their life to Jesus, we see that the word of God never changes, that it is true that God can change your life because he's true and he's good. Now, the second thing that, that we find in Luke's narrative is that it's diplomatically reliable. In fact, this is what you find in the scriptures. And it's going to ruffle some choners right here, let me tell you. A diplomat, a diplomat is an official representing a country abroad. A person that can deal with people in a sensitive and effective way. You need to know this, that the message of Jesus Christ was never made for its goal to be in conflict with or in opposition with any government. Did you know that? You know who it's in direct opposition with? The kingdom of darkness. It was, in fact, if you, when you read the, the, the writings of Luke, you're going to see how he talks, uh, how, how, how officials come to faith in Jesus. It's not in opposition with any government. Our, our message is in opposition with the devil. It's in opposition with the kingdom of darkness. Now, there may be governments that are in opposition to the, to the gospel, but the gospel is never in opposition with government. The gospel is better for government because people who receive the gospel have transformed lives, transformed hearts, transformed minds. John Stott said this, and John Stott is one of my heroes. I don't have it in... On the, on the board, but maybe second service we will. He said this. This was Luke's political apologetic. Apologetic is how we protect our, how we argue for our faith, okay? This was Luke's political ap apologetic. He produced evidence to show Christianity was harmless because Roman officials had embraced it for themselves. He said he, he proved that it was innocent because Roman judges could find no basis for prosecution. Let me tell you how important this is. And let me, let me show how true this is. Jesus was sent...
to the Roman government to be crucified because the Jews couldn't do it. The religious party couldn't do it. The religious leaders were angry with Jesus. Religion put Jesus on the cross. He went before Pontius Pilate and he went before Herod. Herod just wanted to see him do miracles and he didn't do anything. He went before Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, and Pontius Pilate said, I find no sin in him. He said, I will wash my hands of this man because he's innocent. The third thing that you find in, in, in this is that, that uh, John Stott writes, he says, and it's lawful. It's lawful because it was the true fulfillment of Judaism. Jesus, from his own mouth, said, I did not come to do away with the law and the prophets. I didn't come to abolish the law and the prophets. I came to fulfill. He is the very reality of what Judaism was, was, was proponing. He is what, what fulfills what they were waiting for. You see, saved people have a transformed ideology. Saved people have a transformed heart. Saved people have a transformed mentality. I was, I was talking to someone recently, and we were driving. We were driving to California with, with this friend and relative of mine, and we're driving, and they were talking about uh, uh, these very sensitive items like abortion and, 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 and uh, homosexuality and all these things. And I said to them, I said, I am a different person before the cross and after the cross. Before the cross, I had a completely different stance on what I have now because my convictions changed through Jesus Christ. My convictions never changed through politics. It changed through the heart of, of God reaching my heart and changing my heart to look at things that are important to him. Luke wrote to this guy named Theophilus. And most scholars believe that he was a Roman dignitary. When he says most excellent Theophilus, what do we say nowadays? Uh, excellent, what's, what's the word, verbiage we use? Um, it'll come back to me. We'll skip that. Most excellent Theophilus. Your Excellency. Right? Don't we say that to dignitaries? Your excellency. Okay? So he writes, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. Notice he wasn't trying to get Theophilus to revolt against the Romans. His, his goal was to win his soul to Jesus Christ. Now, now I'm going to even go deeper because you guys are going to be freaking out. Let me go deeper. Okay? Paul went before three governors. Three high officials, and every time he wasn't trying to revolt against the Roman government. He was trying to stand on the grounds that he was there for his faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Religious people put him on trial. Religious people said, we want to kill him, right? And this is exactly what happened when he went before King Agrippa. Paul replied, he said, because Agrippa heard him, and he, after he said about... He talked about the resurrection. Agrippa said, Paul, you've gone, you've gone insane because of your much learning. You're crazy. And Paul said, no, 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 I'm not crazy. He says, 
He, he replied, what I'm saying is true and reasonable. Now listen to him. The king is familiar with these things, and I can speak freely to him. I am convinced that none of this has escaped his notice because it was not done in a corner. He was talking about Jesus and all the miracles that he had done and everything that people were talking about. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? And then he says, I know you do. I know you believe everything in the Old Testament. That's exactly what he's saying right there. Then Agrippa said to Paul, do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? And I love Paul's response. He says, Paul replied, short time or long, I pray to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today in this courtroom may become what I am, except without these chains. See, the, the, the pages of the Bible lead followers of Christ away from arguing about their government and encouraging us to spend our days praying for them. Paul said this, First of all, then, I urge that all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving to be made for all people, for kings and for all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Now, do you, do you think that Paul understood the wickedness that was in the Roman leadership? Paul, he understood Julius Caesar, Augustus, Caesar, Tiberius, Caligula, Claudius, Nero. Nero had Paul beheaded. Nero had Peter crucified. Galba, Caesar, all of these were, there was great wickedness in that empire. And, and, and the, the, the gospel message was not for us to overthrow government. It was us to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Peter wrote this. He said, honor everyone. The people that you get mad at, you say, you know what? They're nothing but, you know, I'm going I'm to speak from both sides. They're nothing but uh, uh, Blankety-blank conservatives, or they're nothing but blankety-blank liberals. He says, honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God and honor that Caesar that's going to kill you. Honor the emperor. And then Paul was beheaded by Nero and Peter crucified. And guess what, beloved? I know you guys are... Real quiet, and I'm talking to people that, you know, guess what? They didn't put an eraser to this. They didn't have whiteout. And say, oh, oh, we made a mistake. Honor everyone except for Nero. <laughs> Honor everyone except for this, this, this president that you had or this person. Honor everyone except... It doesn't, it doesn't say that in Scripture. The gospel message, and hear me, the gospel message is a life-changing message for everyone. Can I tell you that that message was for Hitler? If Hitler would have said, I need Jesus, in the middle of him killing millions of people, God would have loved him and forgiven him right there because he trusted in the one who died for his sins. 
The third uh, thing that makes it reliable is theologically reliable. Don't you love these big words? Someone say theologically. Uh huh. Right? Theo, again, Theo, what's that word mean? God, theology means what? Study. Okay, theo, theology just means the study of God or getting to know God. Say that to, to the person next to you. Theology. Theology. All religions have a theology, but none of them have at the very center of their, of their faith a person who said that he is the way, the truth, and the life. None of them. None of them at the very center said that not only did the, the claim that, that he died for the sins of people, but that he rose from the dead. That's what separates us from everybody else. In, in the book of Acts, uh, the, 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 the introduction to the book of Acts goes like this. Same, same writer, Luke, he says, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all the things Jesus began to do and teach. Okay? the very beginning of his ministry and all the things that he did until the day he was taken up to heaven. So what does that help us to understand? Where's Jesus at? Heaven. At the right hand of the Father. Okay? After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. So the instructions come through who? Through the Holy Spirit. Someone say that. The instructions come through the Holy Spirit. And they came to the apostles, and we, we read from the apostles. Amen? After his suffering, okay, after Jesus suffered, which means he went to the cross, he, presented, he went to the cross and he died, okay? He presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. How many days did he spend with them after he rose from the dead? We're going to find out. He appeared to them for over a period of 40 days and spoke about... Now, 40 is very significant in the Bible. 40 is a time of completion, okay? It's a time that, 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 that God does great things. So he spent 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So he, when he was with these followers that saw him be killed, crucified, and then saw that he rose from the dead, he began to teach them, continue to teach them about all the things that he had already taught them. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that my father promised. Now, that's where we're going next week. Next week, we're going to talk about this message is a powerful message. This is exactly, he says, he said, uh, um, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that my father promised, which you have heard, from, uh, heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Ten days after. And why is that significant? Fifty days after Jesus rose from the dead. Okay, Fifty days was the day of Pentecost. He died on the Passover. The Passover lamb, the, the, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Is, uh, Fifty days after that, the Holy Spirit was poured out. And it was the harvest, it was uh, the, the feast of the harvest. On that day when, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, 3,000 of those people that were saying, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him, came to Jesus. 
and people are still coming to Jesus today. Here's some important takeaways, okay, about about your reading, okay? Jesus teaching and miracles are convincing that there's no one else like him. Nicodemus, the great Bible teacher, the great teacher in the, in the Old Testament, he said this, we know that you are a teacher who is from God, for no one could perform the signs that you are doing if God were not with him. And he said, what do I need to do to be saved? Now, now here's, what, here's what you need to grab a hold of. This is so important. This is going to be how we're going to leave this service. In the New Testament, we find out that God prepared your salvation. Before you did anything good to save yourself, God prepared your salvation. Simeon, as baby Jesus is being brought to the temple, Simeon, who was waiting for the Messiah, and God said, you will not die until you see the Messiah with your eyes. He appointed this person, he appointed this time, and Simeon says this, my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared beforehand in the sight of all nations. God prepared your salvation, not your condemnation. God prepared your salvation, not your judgment, because your judgment was put upon his son, and your condemnation was put upon, your, um, put upon his son. He took that for us so that we could have his salvation. Salvation comes only through Jesus. What you'll read is, is Jesus said, I came to save that which was lost. What you're going to read is Simeon saying, this is the salvation that has been prepared for all the nations, for all the people. That's what the New Testament is all about. That's why the New Testament is good news. Because it's not about us and all the bad that we've done It's all about Jesus and all the good that he has done and will do in our lives. And we need to grab a hold of the fact that we are not good, but he is. And because of him, he imputes his goodness and his righteousness into our lives so that we can walk in the confidence of the Almighty and make a difference for his glory going to be a great 40 days it's going to be a great eight weeks and i just am excited for what god's going to do let's pray right now heavenly father thank you for giving us a bible as a testament of truth we learned today that uh, the bible is reliable and it's tested and it's true thank you for the assurance and solid foundation that we find in the scriptures lord i pray for my faith and for everyone in here, Lord, we pray together for our faith and hope 
to increase as we dig deeper in the pages of the Bible for the next 40 days. At the end of this series, my prayer is for us to be able to declare and come into agreement with the psalmist who wrote, the word of the Lord is right and true, and he is faithful in all that he does. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said amen. It's going to be great. Get signed up for a small group. Get connected to this series, and let's just together, collectively, let's let God do his amazing work in us and through us. This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.